Hi, Jeffrey, welcome. Uh, and thank you for joining me for this interview. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me, Fernanda and the Smithsonian. Sure. Um, so as you mentioned, this is an interview for the Smithsonian Institution at the Archives of American Art. Uh, and I'm Fernanda Espinosa. I'm recording an interview for the Pandemic Project with artist Jeffrey Maris. Um, and Jeffrey, if you can just start uh, by telling me a little bit about how these past few months uh, have been for you. So I, I feel as though there's been, I think ebb and flow would perfectly describe how the last, I think six months now, seven, six, five months have been. Uh, the first few weeks have been, were extremely disorienting and confusing and there was this sense of panic and dread and uh, and disorientation having everything that I was so used to my schedule in terms of like scheduling and being able to socialize and be in the world freely having that cut off and having to mitigate being in the world in that way was extremely hard but eventually um, I feel as though I settled into the solitude and being with myself and being with my art and really trying to find a new way of being in the world and eventually I find found contentment in that and so lately it's been like wow I can't believe that the world is opening again and somehow I need, I have to leave the solitude and go back into like the madness of the capitalist machinery that we were all so used to pre-COVID. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so you're currently at the Next Haven residency with other fellow artists. Um, can you tell me a little bit about how it has been for you to share this community space with other artists during these these transition times. Again, it's it's been one of those things that was super interesting. Um, I first off have to say how much I love and respect the artists that I share space with, because um, everyone approaches art making in such a unique, interesting ways and. Um, their research and methodology and interest in materiality is all so lively and engaging. But uh, COVID happened and that completely caused us to almost like, well, it literally physically distanced us. So once upon a time, we were all together and literally holding hands and it felt like one team. It felt like the dream team. And it still is in a lot of ways. Uh, but we had to become very conscientious of how we were existing architecturally, um, how we were uh, occupying space and being that we're all inevitably tied and implicated in, uh, into one another's uh, personal lives. Uh, it became this, this situation where the personal, where each one of our personal lives, I think, started to bleed into the communal space. Yeah, so you have to be careful of, of where you exist in the world because that has repercussions, you know, 
Um, then since I, I was a frequent traveler to New York pre-COVID, but once COVID happened and um, New York sort of being one of the epicenters of COVID, I had to curtail my involvement with that area because I was existing in this space where um, my actions could affect others. So just, yeah, being very conscious of what's good for me personally, but also what's good for the sake of this community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so as you know, the pandemic is happening, but also there's been a lot of changes and uprisings um, in the United States in the past few months, mm -hmm. uh, especially since May. Uh, what what are your uh, observations and uh, what have been reflections around these times um, as a person uh, in the U.S.? also as a person that's from, uh, from a country outside the US? I, I think it's one of those things that, that I find extremely confusing that, that you know, African-Americans and people of the African diaspora in America are asking to be treated equally. It's one of those things that really confuses me that there is resistance. Uh, for people asking to be seen as humans. You know, there's resistance to, to people saying that America is a police state. There's resistance to people asking for an end of white supremacy, yeah? And there's resistance to, you know, to, to people asking for a more fair and just future for all Americans. You know, it almost blows my mind, really, um, coming from a country that is predominantly black and having to assimilate into this idea of um, black inferiority in a lot of ways, even though we know that that's a fallacy, but, but it, it simply is mind blowing that this is the state of race relations in America. And I, yeah, I, 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 I feel as though it's really an educational problem because if a lot of these people that claim to be white supremacists in the way that they are. You know, if you really dig into the history of America, I think no, no person with morals, sound conscious could ever be angry at a black person for asking for equality after almost 400 years of being exploited in this country. Yeah, and being uh, mistreated and being written outside of the history of this country. Finally, there's a moment where uh, the masses are saying, hey, this is really messed up and we need to rethink this. Yet there's still mass resistance by people who find their identity in this fallacy of whiteness. So I, I, I think, I think it's, it's an interesting time and I hope that this resistance keeps up and that it doesn't become subdued or um, you know, it doesn't die down because there's been other movements lately like Occupy Wall Street, I really wish that Occupy had really formed into a more substantive movement than it turned out to be. But I really hope that the Black Lives Matter movement really continues on and that we really see some real change, whether it's in November, whether it's next January, but hopefully I'm alive to see that change. Um, what have you been, um working on 
um, not necessarily that it has to be in reaction or anything like that, but thinking of your work as something that talks about the collective, but also the personal, uh, what mm -hmm. has been your, mm -hmm. your approach during this time? Very interesting. So I've been working on a few projects that started um, both pre-COVID and things that were either affected or was in direct um, conversation with COVID. I've been making these kinetic sculptures and these kinetic sculptures that sort of, these kinetic sculptures that confront the white gaze, um, but using the black body as the central mode of communication in that conversation. And from there, I've been making these drawings on roofing paper. Um, but more importantly, I think the most interesting thing for me that happened during this pandemic era has been, um, so it's been about 24 weeks now that we've been in this mode of pandemic crisis and about 1,800, 1,082,000 people have died. Um, and millions infected in America. And just, just after the pandemic was declared, I was in a really dark place and because my whole social fabric was disrupted and I, I needed to take care of myself. And so I started this, this practice called Self-Care Saturday. And so Saturdays, I wouldn't come to the studio at all for for the bulk of self-care saturday i wouldn't come to the studio at all i started um gardening and i started taking care of plants um and i started becoming more attentive to my skin and um sort of my own emotional wellness and my own emotional intelligence and developing uh healthier eating habits and learning how to uh practice somatic care that wasn't so tied to capitalism because i feel like that's one of the big issues that this pandemic has shown us is that our reliance on capitalism is just unhealthy and unsustainable. So my question then became like, what are ways in which I could take care of myself that wasn't directly um, in relationship or directly dependent on capital? And so I've been doing self-care Saturday for about 24 weeks now. And self-care Saturday itself has uh, evolved into a uh, from just a cute uh, slogan, you know, because it's like SCS and it kind of, you know, it's nice and catchy, but it has evolved from just being a slogan into a way of life. And so I've developed the Institute of Self-Care, um, which doesn't, which isn't solely about me, but it's about community and it's about providing spaces of care and um, cadence and levity, yeah, because it's so easy in these times to turn on your TV, to look at BBC or CNN or Fox News or whatever, open your cell phone, Instagram, and see um, a picture of Black people being harassed or being uh, tortured or terrorized by the police. But how often do you see Black people being cared for and being in spaces where our bodies are protected, where we're one both physically and emotionally and spiritually. So uh, the Institute of Self-Care is something that I'm actively thinking about and creating an intentional space to care for Black people and to care for Blackness 
And I'm really excited to see where it goes um, as time continues to unfold. Um, I'm beginning to think of partner organizations that could continue to support the work that I'm doing with this. And I'm just generally excited to see, I mean, it sucks that it took a pandemic for me to come to this point where I've realized that self-care is really important, you know, and, and that we have to hold each other accountable and share this knowledge with one another. Sorry. Can you tell me a little bit more about how the self-care institute is manifesting right now? So right now I right now I have about five uh, close friends um, that that have been walking this journey with me. Um, and we've used we've used Saturday as like the the sort of prime meeting point. Um, so I always thought with a very beautiful brunch, <laughs> breakfast, and I know that's like an extremely privileged thing because there's people that can't afford to do that. But if you can, I recommend doing it. Um, and then I take care of all of my plants. Um, so that looks like watering about 45 plants. Uh, that takes about an hour and a half. And um, then there's a bunch of like skin regimens that I, that I do. And then I read um, for about two hours and then I work out and various other activities. Recently, I've started going to the studio again on Saturday because I realized that studio is self-care. You know, it doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be separate from that. These, these things are always in conversation. Uh, so I do that. And I think that the highlight of the day is always a really decadent meal. Um, so recently I've switched my diet over to about being about 70% organic, um, organic non-GMO foods. So, so uh, I think education is really vital. Education, healthcare, food access. Um, I've started gardening. Um, so in the Institute of Self-Care, these are all gonna be, it's, it's about self-care, but it's also about education. It's about making these sort of opportunities the same way that you know, I have this knowledge about how to care for my body and how to live a healthier life um, and how to be more present in the world. Um, so it's about making that space available for others. That sounds amazing. I think I've been doing self-care Saturdays without knowing I was. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah, I, you know, I think like, I think, I think a lot of us have, right? If, if you just think about the amount of people that have baked bread throughout this pandemic, you know, there's something about baking bread that makes you extremely happy. As a matter of fact, I baked bread last night. Yeah. Um, going back to um, who you are right now in the United States, um, I know for other artists that have their families um, and far away from them. It's been uh, different to navigate relationships with, um, with the distance. How mm -hmm. has that been for you? If you do have, I'm not sure if you do have still, uh, families, family in the Bahamas, but how have you navigated those relationships? So all of my family is in the Bahamas. I have one brother that's in Orlando, but other than that, everyone's in the Bahamas. 
and um, excuse me, I'm here as an immigrant. I'm yeah, I'm here as an immigrant, um, and I think this moment has really brought us closer together. You know, because it shows you to focus on the things that matter. Yeah, specifically in this this moment of Black Lives Matter. You know, I think Black Lives Matter is, and you know, I think the word radical is such a suspicious word right now because it lost all of its meaning. But if we could think about the word radical pre this administration, I think it, it really is that because um, I think at the heart of Black Lives Matter is like this question of race and feminism. Yeah, so I think about my mom whenever I think about that. And I think about all these women that are losing their children to the hand to the hands of police, yeah, and state violence. So I think this this moment has like really caused me to really think about my mother, yeah. Because if something was to happen to me, she would probably be the person most affected by that. So this all of this has just really brought us really close together and we check in with each other and she's extremely worried and you know just telling me to not get in trouble even though getting in trouble isn't a reason for the police to ever kill anybody so that said i think yeah it's brought us you know we're physically very far apart but i think we're emotionally connected Um, Jeffrey, I, I like to uh, start and in this uh, interview by asking, uh, where do you see yourself uh, and your work going from here? <laughs> this is always the best question. I love this one so much. <laughs> I, I, I think that's, that's uh, it's, it's really hard to answer that because I think COVID has made vision extremely unclear. You know, I almost can't see to next week, but if I think, yeah, it's like, I don't know what's gonna happen next week. Like, am I gonna get COVID and die? I don't know. Um, but I think more in terms of visibility and the sort of world that I wanna live in, I, I would like, to use my practice to make space for others. Because um, I come from a space with so many artists that are so creative and have so much to offer the world. But unfortunately, because we're in a small place where uh, art isn't really the conversation that the, that the Bahamas is known for, you know, and it's not what we're expe what's expected from us. So. Going forward, I think if I could use my practice to make space for other people and to to create nuance to the conversation that's happening back in my hometown, that would be what I would like for my work to do and for my life work to, that's the kind of conversation I'd like to have. Awesome. Um, and finally, is there anything that you'd like to uh, document in these interviews that I didn't bring up or that I didn't ask you about? Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I, I think I just want to shout out to all those black women that are doing the work out there. Yeah. I think that's what I'd like to say, because it's really black women that started the Black Lives Matter movement. You know, there's black women that are doing the work in this country. So I'd just like to shout them out. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Fernando. That was really cool. <laughs> Got me feeling like funny. I went feel like I went to church just now. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Jeffrey. Right. I hope we can Thank stay you. connected. Take care. Yeah, I'm always around. Bye bye.